Solomon had everything you could ever imagine. Uh, just to hit the high points, he had uh, money, he had uh, palaces, he had warriors, he had women, he had apes and peacocks. All right? He literally had everything you could think of. It says that during his reign, silver was considered useless because gold was so plentiful. And so he, that is the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. And there are a few phrases, a few words that he uses over and over again throughout this book. And there, there's the word meaningless, under the sun, and chasing the wind. And what he's trying to do right here is he's trying to paint a word picture uh, that everything at life, everything under the sun, that means life, the literal things we can see with our eyes by, by the sun, all right, by light, that stuff we can see physically. We can see the money in our bank account, the square footage of our house, the type of car we drive, the things of this world, all of those things, they are meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. And in the original language, that word meaningless, it carries with it this idea of smoke. So when we look at those things and we try to control them, we try to subdue them, we try to find purpose in them, it's just like trying to catch smoke. The harder we try to hold it all together, the more we will feel the pain of it slipping through our fingers. So what we see throughout this whole book, the book of Ecclesiastes, is God calling us to surrender so we can fully enjoy the gifts he has given us. So instead of trying to catch smoke, which is just going to lead to more frustration, we're going to have to try harder, it's not going to work. What if we just enjoyed the view, we just enjoyed the gift in front of us? So that's what we talked about last week. And before we dive into new material this week, let's pray. God, I thank you for everybody that is here today. I thank you for the work that you are already doing. I thank you for a great time of worship. And God, we pray that your word, the words in the Bible, that they would ring true in our hearts. God, that you would draw us nearer to you because that's what we want, to be deeply and intimately acquainted with you. Do that today in this service. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So. Chapter one, we finished it up last week. It ended on a real high note at the end of chapter one. Here's the last verse of chapter one of Ecclesiastes. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. Uh, to increase my knowledge uh, only increases sorrow. So the smarter you are and the more wisdom you have, the more grief you have and the more sorrow you have. All right, it sounds good. Who wants to be smarter? Yeah, no, nobody does, right? That's where he ended chapter one. So this is where we find ourselves at chapter two, starting in verse one. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. So he says, basically, uh, you know, the Bible, it has chapters and verses, but those weren't there in the original language. That was just for us so that we could tell people where we're at really easily. So he goes from the greater my uh, knowledge, the greater my grief, the greater my uh, wisdom, the greater my sorrow, goes right from that into, so I tried to just have pleasure in life. And I found that, you know what, wine was the only thing that most people, they actually experience. So he ties those together. Yeah, I'm going to try to find pleasure in this life. I will try wine, which is the most happiness, the only happiness most people find in their brief life. So 
Uh, I think sometimes when we look at the Bible, we got to take a step back and see what their intended message is. So Solomon, he's not advocating for being a teetotaler and never consuming alcohol. He's pointing out a, a fact here that most people, that's his words, not mine, most people, the only happiness they experience on their short lives is by becoming numb to the situation they're in by the means of consuming too much alcohol. This was written a long, long time ago. Does that describe anything in our world today? Maybe we turn down the volume of life just by consuming because we want to numb what's going on in this world. The only happiness they experience, most people, that's what it says, is by drowning out the world around them with alcohol. So let's keep going to see what he does to seek pleasure. This is verse four. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I filled them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any other king who had ever lived before. I collected great sums of silver, which it actually says were worthless, all right, a while back. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. All right, can we unpack that last verse real quick? Because uh, there, was, there was a lot there. Uh, two quick things. Uh, if you are a wonderful singer, man or woman, we're looking to grow the worship team, all right? Come see us at Starting Point right after service. We will get you hooked up. Uh, and then it says concubines there, right? So yeah, we gotta talk about that, right? We can't just let that scribe. Uh, I think sometimes the Bible uh, is being descriptive, but it's not necessarily being prescriptive, right? So it's describing something, not prescribing something. Uh, in other words, there are some people who might say this verse is prescribing concubines, right? Uh, that ain't what's going on here, right? It's being descriptive, not prescriptive. The point here uh, is that it's simply trying to describe the situation. So, uh, no, concubines, all right? No, bad deal. That's not what the Bible says. So let's keep reading. Verse 9. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me. My wisdom never failed me. Super humble, right? Became greater than everybody else. All right, verse 10. Let's keep going. Anything I wanted... I would take, I would deny myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was really nothing worthwhile anywhere. As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Like the things that I am dedicating my life to, if I take a step back and look at the big picture, they're worthless. I know that sometimes if we look at that, that can be the situation we find ourselves in. So let's see where Solomon takes us if we keep reading here in verse 12. So I decided to compare wisdom and foolishness and madness. For who can do this better than I, the king? Again, super humble. Uh, I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they are going, but the fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? All it's going to do is increase my grief. For the wise and the foolish will both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. 
in the days to come, both will be forgotten. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless like chasing the wind. So to this point, we have seen Solomon look at pleasure. Right? He says pleasure, uh, tried to find some meaning there, and actually pleasure is going to be meaningless uh, because nothing is really worthwhile. The pleasure leaves quickly. It is never enough. I've heard it said that the advertising agency uh, for pleasure is a lot better than its manufacturing department. All right? We tend to convince ourselves that something's going to be really good for us, but then when it delivers on it, it always delivers under project, right? It didn't get it done. It did not complete up to our standard what we wanted. The advertising agency is better than the manufacturing department. It might seem like you can find satisfaction in pleasing your every desire, but the truth is there is nothing of this world, there is nothing under the sun that can satisfy the human heart. Nothing. You can't please your way into a purposeful life. It, it can't be found in wisdom. And that's what Solomon compares. He compares wisdom and foolishness in that last passage. And his conclusion is that this, if I am super wise, there's gonna come a day and I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be forgotten. If I'm a fool, guess what? There's gonna come a day where I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna be forgotten. So maybe pleasure and wisdom aren't what we should be looking for when we're trying to find purpose in life. Maybe we can find it in our work, find it in our accomplishments, find it in our occupation, find it in having purpose there. Here's what he says, verse 18. I came to hate all my work here on earth. Nope, wasn't behind that door either. For I must leave everything I earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and my hard work under the sun. How meaningless. So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill. Then they leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get with, in this life for all their hard work and anxiety. Their days are filled of labor, are filled with pain and grief, and even at night their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. What Solomon's doing here is he's trying to expose the folly of a life that's devoted to earning money. Uh, many people devote themselves to uh, just incessant labor under the justification that I'm doing this for my children. And can I tell you something? Uh, Set your kids up for success, do the right thing, that's great. Um, you know what, if we give my kids a bunch of money, I have a feeling Cooper right now, he's just gonna buy a switch and then he's gonna blow the rest, all right? That's all he's gonna do, all right? That's what he's trying to get to. But here's the deal. There's no excuse for wasting your life. Trying to get more money, trying to set my kids up for success because here's the deal. You may work hard, you may have a plan, and guess what? One day you're gonna die. That's gonna go to someone else. They may not have a plan, they may not work hard, they may not have any skills. There is no way to control that. And if we try to, it's like trying to catch smoke. The harder we try to grip to it, the more it's gonna slip through our fingers. Your children may simply squander all the wealth that you struggle to accumulate. So going through life with contentment is much better than forever trying to increase your bank account. 
Here's what we see in verse 24. He kind of concludes all of these thoughts about uh, can I find value, can I find purpose in my money, can I find it in my work, can I find it in wisdom. And here's kind of his thought. I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized these pleasures are from the hand of God for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. If a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. This too is meaningless like chasing the wind. Finally, Solomon gives us something that we can look forward to. There is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find satisfaction and work. It says these are pleasures from the hand of God because who can eat or drink anything apart from him? Uh, have you ever noticed how kids are just like really great at life? Like kids, like kids are just great at life. Like have you seen the joy that kids have? Um, maybe their, their money management skills, not there, maybe lacking. Maybe not the best at cleaning their rooms, uh, but kids are really great, great at life. And what I mean by that is they keep it simple. Kiss method, keep it simple, stupid, all right? I try to apply that to my life every day. But here's the deal. Kids, they do that. They keep it simple and they have a good time. When a kid walks into a room and mom or dad's there and they're in a good mood, guess what a kid? My kids do this. Dad, I love you. Mom, I love you. We should do that more as adults, all right? You see somebody you love, you should say, hey, you know what? I love you. Um, they can be in their room, uh, and this is my middle child, Clay, right? He, he could be in his room on the switch. Our house could be burning down, and he would not have any clue because he's having a good time enjoying himself playing on the video games, all right? And I mean that in a good way. He is in his own world, not concerned with the drama that is happening around him. He is focused on something that matters for him. And one thing that almost every kid is good at is enjoying a good meal. Enjoying a good meal. Um, Kids just get this. A while back, we had a team dinner, and there was about five kids sitting in a row. About five kids just sitting in a row right next to each other. Uh, the food came out, and what were those kids doing? They were so excited. Like, my food is here. I got chicken nuggets. They were so excited. That happy food dance. Now, you have seen a kid do this. If you have kids, if you've ever seen a kid eat, you have seen a kid do this. Uh, they just know that this is something that I want. I'm gonna enjoy this meal. I got fruit snacks and chicken nuggets. Praise God, all right? They are grateful. Uh, I got a picture I wanna show you of my, my daughter, Kinley. Uh, she, turns, she turns one tomorrow. Uh, yesterday, we had a little birthday celebration. She got her own little uh, bunt cake, and she enjoyed that like you would not believe. It's, you can't see it great there, but like her head is leaning back on the chair, and she's just like, mm. like she is enjoying that. Now, now, here's the deal. Um, she was feeling it. She was so happy that she had her own birthday cake, head cocked back, savoring every bite of the cake that she completely demolished, all right? She was not concerned. Oh, can we throw that back up there? She was not concerned about any of this chocolate. All over her face, all over her clothes, all over her tutu, nothing. But what about the adults in the room? The adults were saying, we were all in agreement that she needed a bath immediately after this, right? What were the adults thinking? The next thing. She did not care that literally 15 feet away, her brothers are in the living room playing with all of her new baby toys, which I don't know why kids like baby toys when they're not a baby, but it seems to happen. She did not care that that was going on. In this moment, all she is thinking about is cake, 
This is so good. I love this. She is enjoying that gift given to her in that moment. She's not thinking about the bath she's about to get. She's not thinking about getting her toys back. Uh, if we could bottle that emotion up and sell it, we'd be rich. My question for you is, when was the last time you got to truly enjoy a gift God has given you? When was the last time you got to truly enjoy a gift God has given to you? When was the last time you got to have some food and some drink and be like, praise God, that hit the spot? I, I think sometimes we overthink it. It doesn't need to be some grand experience. Uh, I tell you, for me, last week when it was freezing cold, my family went and got pho. I don't know if anybody likes pho. Like, you know, basically chicken broth and some really crappy ramen noodles, but it is awesome. It's super good. Uh, we went there, and it was freezing outside, and we got our stuff, and my whole family was happy, right? We were all just loving it. Enjoy some good food and a drink, and realize that is a gift from God. Just enjoy it. Be in that moment. Be where your feet are. Don't be worried about the next thing. Just enjoy what God has put right in front of you. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink. It says this right after that. And to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized these are pleasures from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Find satisfaction in work. Um, before we started this journey of uh, getting Refuge Church up and going, uh, which I'm so thankful that we're here, uh, I had a, a window cleaning company, kind of an owner-operator deal, uh, which means, you know, I'm the guy calling, I'm the guy doing the estimates, I'm the guy cleaning the windows. Uh, I will want say one of the best things about having a service work is this, you get to complete the job. If I'm cleaning the windows on someone's house, uh, I work until all the windows are clean, and then guess what? I'm done, I go home. Starting point, ending point, done. Fantastic. There are other jobs, and I'll just say pastoring example because that's where I'm at, uh, where the job is never finished. There's always going to be more to do. Uh, that's how not pastoring, not only pastoring is. There's a lot of jobs where it's like, you know what, you're never going to be caught up. It's never going to be over. And sometimes that can feel overwhelming. But here's the deal. When I was cleaning windows, I was not, I was not passionate about cleaning windows, right? Not a passion of mine. Get window wet, squeegee window dry. You wanna talk about meaningless? You wanna talk about vanity, chasing the wind? I'm literally gonna clean these windows. That Oklahoma red dirt's gonna come and get stuck on it right after I'm done. Like, what is the point? Meaningless, like trying to catch the wind. Um, and so that's the day in the life of a window cleaner. I'm gonna get this window wet. I'm gonna squeegee it dry. I'm gonna tap the edges. Next window. And it's like wash and repeat over and over and over and over again. Um, a meaningless job to me. No satisfaction found in cleaning windows apart from the fact that I got to complete the job and it was done. That was a nice feeling. Now, I, I know a guy uh, who has a window cleaning business as well. Um, and I heard him, uh, somebody asked him how business was going. How, how's business going? What's going on? And his answer was this, great. I can't think of anything better than praying circles around homes and businesses. We were both doing the same job. I found no meaning in it. I found no satisfaction in it. I was, that was just making ends meet. He found his purpose in it. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're doing it for. It's about who you're doing it for. 
finding satisfaction has, in your work has nothing to do with the paycheck. Get paid, all right, that's a good thing. Your satisfaction, your purpose has nothing to do with the amount of that check, has a lot more to do with you being who God created you to be. The book of Ecclesiastes tends to prove the grand truth that there is no happiness outside of God. There's no happiness outside of God. Whatever your work is, whatever food you like, all right, that purpose is only found through Him. And we are all designed with a desire to connect with the Creator. It said that our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And here's, here's the deal is God's designed us to operate in a way. And when we step outside of the way that God has designed us, that's, that's called sin. And when we sin, that leads us to, to brokenness, to incompleteness. Right? It's not going to work. It's not whole. And the only way to get whole is to receive the good news of the gospel. The good news is that Jesus died for me. So we get God's design. When we step outside of that, that's sin. That leads to brokenness. And the way to get out of brokenness is by the gospel. If we will repent and believe that Jesus came, died, and he rose again, and that he loves you and he loves me so much, more than anybody else on this planet, he saves us. And the gospel, what it allows us to do is to recover and pursue back to God's design. God didn't design you to go be a robot, to go do work, to go clean windows, all right? No, no, no. He wants you to have meaning in it. He wants whatever you're doing clean it when those pray in circles around people's houses. He wants you to have purpose because he's designed you to live a purposeful life.